How many of you know what an anxious seat is? No, it's not the one over the ant hole. Now, anybody know what an anxious seat is? Or perhaps you've heard it called an anxious bench. Anxious seat, anxious bench, no? No, maybe this story will, uh, will help you. This is the experience of a young lady. When sinners were invited forward to the anxious seat, hundreds responded to the call, and I, among the rest, pressed through the crowd and took my place with the seekers. But there was in my heart a feeling that I could never become worthy to be called a child of God. Ever felt that way? I had often sought for the peace there is in Christ, but I could not seem to find the freedom I desired. A terrible sadness rested on me, on my heart. I could not think of anything I had done to cause me to feel sad, but it seemed to me that I was not good enough to enter heaven. Hmm. That such a thing would be altogether too much for me to expect. While bowed at the altar with others who were seeking the Lord, all the language of my heart was, Help Jesus! Save me or I perish! I will never cease to entreat till my prayer is heard and my sins are forgiven. I felt my needy, helpless condition as never before. Such was the experience written many years later of a young lady named Ellen Harmon. She sat on the anxious seat the seat to which you sit when the preacher calls you forward, the anxious seat. How anxious were the Israelites as they came back from their exile, as they came back to a ruined Jerusalem, walls torn down, the temple of the Lord the temple of the Lord destroyed. The temple that Solomon had built hundreds of years before destroyed. How anxious were they? How anxious was Nehemiah as he began to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, as he saw all around him threats from all the different people groups around him, and he knew what was the cause of all of that. How anxious was he? How anxious were they, knowing that for hundreds and hundreds of years they had drawn close to God and then threw him behind their backs, walking their own way, and God had given them up to their own devices. How anxious were they now as they came back to their own land, but it was not their land anymore. It still belonged to the king of Persia. How anxious were they 
as they knew they had forsaken God, as they had thrown aside His law of liberty and now had the shackles of the king of Persia. How anxious were they? Open with me to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 9. I suspect that as they had more and more trouble, they would find themselves having some saying things like, that old religion, we've tried that for so long. Did it keep the temple there? No. Where was God to protect his temple? If that's the true religion. And there were others who said it's because we left God that he allowed this to happen. And so it raged back and forth as they went back and forth about why they were in this condition and what should be done about it. How hard would it have been for them to just throw it all aside and say, you know what, this isn't working for us. Let's forget this whole thing and follow the gods of the Persians. They're the ones in control. How hard would that have been? I suspect not hard at all. That's always what the devil tempts us with. After he's the one who gets us to go the wrong way, he's the one who causes our trouble, then he says, oh, just throw away your religion. Throw God away. That's what got me here, buddy. <laughs> That's what got me in trouble. <laughs> what kind of basis was there? For faith. What basis was there for them to have faith in these circumstances? In these difficult times? Why would they have faith? Let's take a look at Nehemiah chapter 9. And see what their response was. See what they chose to hang on to. Nehemiah chapter 9 beginning with verse 1. Now on the 24th day of the month... The children of Israel were assembled with what? Fasting in sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Brothers and sisters, take note of what they were doing. In the face of all that told them they should throw God aside, they came back to God with fasting, with prayer, with humility. They came back to God. They sought God. They wanted a relationship with God. They were seeking Him with everything they had. Everything they had. Because all that they had wasn't very much. With humility. Verse 2. Then those of Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners and they stood... And did what? Confessed. They confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. They were willing to say, we messed up. We messed up. Which is very different from our habit today. 
every other commercial you see on television. If you have an accident, call 1-800-GARY or something or another, right? <laughs> call somebody, call some lawyer, some lawyer referrals, call somebody. We'll find somebody to blame for you. It was the other guy's fault. It was the lights were wrong. The stop sign was backwards. The something. We'll find somebody to blame. The guy who let his cat out that ran across the road, the distract, you know. We'll find something to say that it's not your fault. But these people were willing to come forward and say, we messed up. Confession. Verse 3. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law. They turned to God's word. So notice what they did. They came in humility. They confessed their errors and they turned to the truth. They came back to God's word. Sounds like a pretty good, pretty good plan, huh? Sounds like a pretty good plan. And then... They worshipped God, beginning in verse 3. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day. And for another fourth, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Note what they said in their prayers. And, and I'd, 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 like to, I'd like to tell you just how hard it was to say all those names, huh? Yeah, how many of you would like to have gotten up and had that scripture reading, huh? Yeah, not too many of us want to take a crack at all those names, huh? So, yeah, he, he did a valiant effort there to make those names right. And so I'm, I'm just not even going there. We're just going to pick it up in the middle of verse 5. <laughs> all right, so middle of verse 5, you can see what they said. Stand up. And do what? Bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Praise the Lord. Maybe that's what we need to do sometimes more often when we're in trouble, huh? Stand up and bless the Lord forever and ever. It is awesome. Blessed be your glorious name, they said, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Wow. The next time you're unhappy about things that haven't gone your way, the next time you find yourself a slave, anybody gone that far down yet? Now, we, we, get, we get bummed out because, you know, my favorite show isn't on my channel. What? The president's coming on with someone, I don't want to, I want to, and we're unhappy about that. Maybe it's time we bless the Lord. Maybe it's time we stand up and say that he has such an exalted name. We need to worship the Lord. And then they did three things. Watch what they did. Watch what they did here. The three things that they did. Verse 6, are you with me? You alone are whom? The Lord. They acknowledged the Lordship of God. They hadn't been doing that, had they? In fact, it was because they had cast the Lord behind their back that they were in all of this trouble. And so they came back to acknowledging the Lordship of the God of heaven. Number two, 
They acknowledged Him as Creator. Notice, you have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them. Does that sound familiar to you, that language? Let's see, that might come from like Exodus, what was it? Exodus 20? Yeah, Exodus 20 verses, what were they? Eight. Yeah, eight and something else there, yeah. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20, that's right, the fourth commandment. God as creator acknowledged week after week after week. God as creator. That's the beauty of it. He is the creator. They acknowledged him as the creator. And then third, they acknowledged you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. They acknowledged that it is God who preserves us. Here they were, but a tiny remnant of God's people left in the earth. And they were praising God because he had preserved them. That's awesome stuff right there. Because it tells that even in our lowest low, even in our deepest, darkest trouble, we can turn and praise God for what he has done for us. God is good. God is good. And so they acknowledged his lordship. They acknowledged him as creator. And they acknowledged him as sustainer. So the basis for their faith was not that God had done all of these wonderful things for them, that they had done all of this good stuff themselves. It was who God was. That is the basis for our faith. Who He is is the basis for our faith. But there was a threat to that faith. There was a threat to that faith. Take a look with me in verse 16. Verse 16, you gave them bread from, he I'm sorry, verse 16, but they and our fathers acted what? Proudly, hardened their necks and did not heed your commandments. Verse 26, take a look at verse 26. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you, cast your law behind their backs, and killed your prophets. Killed your prophets. Verse 28. But after they had rested, they again did evil before you. Therefore, you left them in the hand of their enemies, so that they had dominion over them. Wow. Verse 29. And testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments. The threat, brothers and sisters, the threat to faith was not all of the things that were happening to them from the outside. It was not what all the other peoples were doing. It was not the destruction of their cities. It was not the destruction of their towns. It was not the killing of their people. It was their own activities. 
their own disobedience was the real threat. They turned away from God in spite of his blessings. And they did three things. They did three things when they did that. Look at verse 16 again. Look again at verse 16. But they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commandments. In other words, what they did was, is they ceased to acknowledge the lordship of God. They ceased to acknowledge that. They ceased to call him Lord. We can take care of this. This is us. We're good. We got this. We can handle it. God was no longer Lord in their lives. Verse 16 again. If they turned their backs on the commandments that included the fourth commandment, yes? In other words, they turned their back on God as creator. They ceased to acknowledge him as creator. And again, in verse 26, it mentions the same thing. They rebelled against you. Cast your law behind their back. They ceased to acknowledge him as creator. How long would you last at your job if you ceased to acknowledge the guy that sits at the desk as your boss? Right? And yet, this is what they did, not just with a boss on the earth, but with the creator, the one who made this happen. And then finally, they ceased to acknowledge him as the sustainer, verse 28. And after they had rest, so, so they, had, they had had times where they had come back to God, but then left him again. The one who brought them back, they didn't say, hey, this is the guy we need to stay with because he will sustain us. He will preserve us. He will continue to bless us. They left God after they had been with him again and again and again. They refused to acknowledge him as the sustainer, the one who would continue to bless them. And so the threat to their faith was their own actions. Their own actions. And we can see the trouble that it leads to. Look at verse 27. Therefore you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried out to you, you heard from heaven so that they would come back. But then after they had rest, they did evil again. Verse 30. Yet for many years you had patience with them. They would, they would come back to the Lord, but he would have patience even when they were bad and testified against them by your, by your spirit in your prophets. Yet, what would happen? They would not listen. Therefore, notice the cause and effect there. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the land. Verse 32. Now therefore, our God, the mighty, the awesome, 
or the mighty and awesome God who keeps covenant of mercy. Do not let all the troubles seem small before you. All of the trouble they had gone through. They wanted God to notice. They wanted God to see. They wanted God to understand the affliction that they were in. Don't let this seem small to you. Verses 36 and 37. Here we are today. Servants. Servants. And the land that you gave to our fathers, he gave them the land. It was their land to eat the fruit and its bounty. Here we are, servants in it. They were owners of the land. It was their land, but now they were servants in it. What does a servant have to do when the person they serve tells them, Bring the fruit of the land to me. What do they do? They obey. They have to take the fruit to him. Before they could eat of it themselves. They could eat of it themselves to eat its fruit and its bounty. But now, as servants, they returned it to the one that they were serving. And they got the leftovers. Mmm. Here we are today, servants in the land. And it yields much increase, verse 37, it says, to the kings you have set over us. Wow. How hard was that to write down, I'll bet. Because of our sins, they said. Also, they have dominion over our bodies. It's not just our land, but even our bodies they have dominion over. At any time, they could come in and wipe us all out, and we'd have nothing to say. Even over our bodies and our cattle. The threat was not just that they were servants. That was the result of the threat. The threat to their faith was their own sinfulness. So here they were. Servants in what was their own land. Turning to God with sackcloth and ashes. Confession. Humility. But looking to God in faith. And what was the response? What was the response? Take a look at verse 38, the last verse in chapter 9. Here they are, tempted by everything to give it all up, to throw it away, and yet, look what they choose to do in verse 38. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests seal it. Brothers and sisters, as they came to the, to the end of their rope, as it were, as they came down to when there was nothing left to grab onto except the promises of God, they latched on and made a covenant with God to turn their hearts back to Him. Okay, this is where you say amen. I thank you. I want to make sure I haven't put you totally to sleep yet. This is where they turn back to God. At the very end of their strength, when they have nothing on their own, they turn back to God. Brothers and sisters, do we have to wait that long? Do we have to wait that long? What do we need to wait for? 
Nothing. <laughs> right? We can turn back to God yet. Right now. The first response was to turn back to God. Think about how hard that was. And then, take a look at this covenant that they made in chapter 10, beginning with verse 30. Chapter 10, beginning with verse 30. We would not give our daughters as wives to the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. In other words, we are not going to do what people of the world do. We're going to be different. We're going to be clear followers of Jesus. People who follow what he says, not just appear to be different. We're going to make a difference there. We're going to be like Jesus. That's what we're talking about. When the world says it's time to yell and scream and get angry at somebody, I choose instead to follow Jesus who told me to turn the other cheek. When it looks like we are losing everything we've got, we still choose to follow God. We are going to follow the Lord. Regardless, in other words, we acknowledge, take note, they acknowledged the lordship of God. They again put him in charge. They acknowledged that once again. Do you think the next one had to do with creator? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at verse 31. Look at verse 31. If the peoples in the land brought wares or any grain to sell on the Sabbath day, we would not buy it from them on the Sabbath. Brothers and sisters, they chose again to acknowledge God as the creator. They would not be turned away. They went through those same things. What they prayed about that God was Lord, that He was Creator, that He was Sustainer. The very things that they had thrown behind their backs, that He was Lord, that He was Creator, that He was Sustainer. They were now in this covenant restoring that He is Lord, that He is Creator, and finally that He is Sustainer. That He is Sustainer. Let's take a look at it in verse 32. Verse 32. Also, we made ourselves ordinances. We made ordinances for ourselves to exact from ourselves yearly one third of a shekel for the service of the house of God. And so they recognized God as sustainer. Now, wait just a minute. Wait, wait. Correct me if I'm wrong. But weren't these people servants in their own land? Weren't they beholden to the king of Persia? Weren't they at the bottom of the totem pole here? And yet they make a pledge to give to the house of God. When they really didn't have anything, they still made the pledge. And it goes on, verse 35. And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground, huh? 
wait, these are, these are people who at any time are subject to having their food practically snatched out of their mouths and they're going to give away the first fruits. Not the last fruits. The first fruits of the land. Verse 38. And the priest and the descendant of Aaron shall be with the Levite when the Levites receive tithes. And the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithes to the house of our God, to the rooms of the storehouse. And so they were pledging themselves to return a faithful tithe, even though they were servants and never sure of where their next dime. They probably didn't have dimes, did they? Even being unsure, they pledged themselves to return the tithe to the Lord. Now, in those difficult circumstances, most of us would say, I can't afford to do that. Do you think these guys could afford that? Not without God's blessing, but that's the point. The tithe acknowledges that God is the sustainer. That's the beauty of it. That's what it's all about. That's why the tithes and the offering, that one-third of a shekel, were both mentioned because it is an acknowledgement of God as the sustainer. When I withhold my tithe, I'm virtually saying, God, you can't do this. I don't think you can sustain me. I don't think you can make nine-tenths go as far as ten-tenths. That's what we're saying. They needed to make the choice, the faith choice. Yes, faith, everybody thinks is this feeling, you know. Ooh, ooh, I have faith in Jesus. Oh, are, are you saved? Are you born? Oh, yes, I have faith in Jesus. But now when the rubber hits the road, when we're talking about showing our acknowledgement of God as Lord, as creator, as sustainer, then faith sort of has difficulties, doesn't it? Because now, see, faith has to go into action. And that's, ooh, ooh, it gets warm in here. Lou, can you turn down the... It's, it's getting warm in here. <laughs> right? That's how we think about these things. It's when we start... Now you've gone to meddling, Pastor. Right? Yeah. Now you've gone to meddling. It was okay when we talked about them, but now it's gone to meddling. But that's the point of faith. Faith is not just a wispy feeling. Faith is what puts action to our feet. Faith, as we talked about throughout, since we've talked about the gifts of the, the fruit of the Spirit, since we've talked about the fruit of the Spirit, it is faith that puts those in action. It was faith that got the lame man on his feet. It's faith that helps us to acknowledge the Lordship, the Creator, and the sustainer, Jesus Christ. Take a look in your bulletin. Look at the back of your bulletin. 
the very back of your bulletin, right? Look at the back of the bulletin there. The efforts of Nehemiah to restore the worship of the true God had been crowned with success if Israel would be true to the oath they had taken what? A bright future was before them. A bright future. For the Lord had always magnified his law before his people, pouring what? Rich blessings upon them, so long as they have been obedient. Wait, I thought this was about faith. This, this talk about obedience, ah, we don't need that. If, if it's about obedience, if it's about works and stuff, I'm not into it, you know. I thought this was faith. We're talking about faith, right? Faith is shown by your actions, right? Doesn't, 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 doesn't one of the New Testament books talk about that somehow? Show me your faith, something, what, what, what was that? <laughs> faith without works is what? Come on now, come on now, tell the truth. The history of God's ancient people is full of instruction for the church of 150 years ago. Huh? No? Today, huh? While the Bible faithfully presents the result of their apostasy as a warning to all future generations, it, it does do that, doesn't it? It portrays as a worthy example the deep humility and repentance, hmm? the earnest devotion and generous sacrifice that marked their seasons of returning to the Lord, returning to the Lord, acknowledging Him as Lord. There is encouragement too. I love that. There is encouragement too in the record of God's willingness to receive His backsliding but repentant people. Praise God, huh? Praise God. It would be a scene well-pleasing. What, what, what kind of a scene would it be? Well-pleasing to God and angels would his professed followers in this generation fight as did Israel of old. What? 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 Oh, did, my glasses might have been... Really? Is that what it says? If this generation should do what? Unite, as did Israel of old, in a solemn covenant to observe and to do all the commandments, all the commandments of the Lord. Acknowledge Him as the Creator, right? And also to be, how did she say that? Generous sacrifice. Brothers and sisters, it's no different today than it was hundreds, thousands of years ago. God is looking for people who are anxious. Huh? The anxious bench. They're anxious to come back to Him, to acknowledge Him as the Lord, to acknowledge Him as the Creator. Is this easy? No, but it's what faith does. To acknowledge Him as sustainer, 
to return a faithful tithe, to return offerings. Why? Not because God needs it, but because we need it to recognize that He is the sustainer. And God will bless us. He's anxious. He had a bright future for Israel had they maintained that covenant. He's just asking us, come back to me. Acknowledge me as creator and sustainer. He's just calling for us to come back to him in these things. And there's a bright future. Put our faith in action. That's what he's looking for. It's not just a feeling. It results in action. Today I want to invite you to make such a covenant with God. To choose again. I understand who you are. I know you're all here not because you decided, wow, I want to go out and do something different today. No, you chose to be here because you have a love for the Lord. And so for most of you, I'm asking you to renew the covenant you already have. That's all right. But I'm calling you to make sure you understand what that covenant entails. What you're really calling, being called to do. To come back to the Lord. To follow Him completely. To give up, yes, to give up yourself. Because the truth is, is we're not much different than these guys, really. Last time I checked, we're not taking it with us, right? We're all pretty much slaves in this world in a way because we can't take anything with us of the stuff we work for and earn, right? It's about the Lordship of God. That's what we're asking you to return to, to acknowledge Christ as your not just Savior, I'm anxious for that, to be sure. But also as Lord, Savior and Lord, to renew that covenant and say, yes, Lord, I believe those things. And I recognize that you are the creator, that you are the sustainer. We're going to sing in just a moment a song that um, I want you to look at the words of. Turn in your hymnals for me to 636. It's probably not a song that you're familiar with because we don't sing it very often, I think. And in fact, so little do we sing it that I frankly don't even know the music to this song. I don't even know the music to this song. But fortunately, in little tiny letters down at the bottom, it says that there's an alternate, alternate tune. And so we'll sing it with the alternate tune, a tune you're all familiar with. So when you hear the tune, just sing the words. But what I want you to do is think about these words. What I want you to do is think about these words. I want you to think about the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. And if you'd like to renew that covenant, or if you'd like to make that covenant for the first time, you've never done it before, I invite you to come down to the, to the anxious seat. Anxious to please God. It's... It's just saying that, hey, I want to acknowledge Jesus Christ. I want in humility and in confession, and I don't happen to have any sackcloth, but I'm doing the best I can. I'm going to come down to the anxious bench. So during this hymn, if you would come forward to renew that covenant, God is calling.